Hello, friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philobom. Happy New Year! Welcome back, show people, artists, educators, administrators, creatives, creators, and anyone out there in the arts. Or you know what? Maybe you're not in the arts and you're like, hey, I just want to listen to this cool podcast. We're so glad that you're here. If you want to follow us on the social medias, please do. For updates on the show, please follow us on Instagram at There's No People Like Show People. And while you're there, check out our sister podcast called Transformation, the Untold Stories of Motherhood, and follow along at Transformation Motherhood Pod. We can't thank you enough for listening and for your continued support. Wishing you a very happy, peaceful, and calm 2024. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Welcome back. It is New Year, January 2024. Like, I don't even know. Do we have New Year's resolutions? Do we have goals for the new year? Are we feeling hopeful? Are we feeling like, ugh, yuck, a new year, like starting over again? Personally, January is my least favorite month of the year because I feel like it's it's cold, you know, at least like in Maryland, it's cold. Like sometimes there's bad weather, like it's dangerous. You're like, am I going to be like, you know, anxious about driving through ice? Um, it, and also it, it just, there's this weird expectation that it's like, okay, like got to crush those goals. Like here's my new year's resolutions. And in the past I used to be, cause I was very like perfectionist and overachiever. And I would have like a list of like, here's my 10 goals for the year and I have to accomplish them. And if I'm not working hard and I don't accomplish them, then I'm a failure. And now that I'm like almost 37 years old with two jobs and two podcasts and a mother to an almost five-year-old, I'm like, fuck that. I'm like, I just don't have any, I don't have any time for that anymore. Now it's like, sometimes you're like, I'm just trying to make it through the day. Um, I am just trying to like, I don't know, at least have a positive attitude, like some of the time. And like, maybe if I could have like less back pain and more money, like that would be great. Like those are some goals for me there. Okay. On to today's guest. I am really, really excited because we have not seen each other or done a show together in six years, which feels insane to me. But it was the holiday show, uh, the first time that I did Elf at Circa 21 Dinner Playhouse. And we actually shared a room together in cast housing. Um, feels like this was like decades ago, but it was a casual six years ago. And since then, she has truly traveled the world performing. She's done um, multiple cruise contracts. I know she worked in Japan for a while, so she is a truly international um, performing guest. Welcome to the podcast, Felicia Martis. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. Um, you look amazing. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. You know, very excited. Um, in the middle of a contract now. So it's I'm having a blast up here. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, um, you're in Niagara Falls right now? 
yes, I am. Uh, it's stunning. It's very, very cold. Um, <laughs> it's been snowing most of the time, uh, but I'm very grateful to be here. Yeah. So Felicia, like where, where are you from originally? And then do you remember like, how did you first get into theater? And then what is like the first show that you did? Um, so I'm from Massachusetts. Uh, I grew up in a small little town uh, to where the chocolate chip cookie was invented. Whitman Mass is my fun fact. <laughs> um, and I got into theater a bit late. Um, I was always interested in singing, but I was too scared. Um, I wanted to join choir in musical theater when I was in middle school, but I was just frightened of being in front of people. And I believe it was my sophomore year of high school. The spring musical was having auditions and my friend pulled me into the audition and it was Aida. Um, I got cast in the ensemble and I, it was just so much fun. And I was like, I, I think I want to keep doing this. And here I am. <laughs> yeah, here you are. So then did you go to college for theater? I actually did not. Um, I went to college for music education with a concentration in flute. So a little bit of a, a curveball in there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and then you started auditioning. And I know, because um, I remember like Circuit 21, like you were like right out of college, right? Like at that time? Circuit 21 was my, it was my first professional theater gig. Mm -hmm. And it was my second professional singing gig since just starting out. So I was still very new, very green. <laughs> yeah, because I remember we were helping you um, record submission videos like in the in the cast house. And I oh my God. <laughs> you remember that? And I and I think it was for one of the cruise ships. Yeah, it was. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and you were like, hey, like, can you help me record? And I was like, okay, Felicia, we got this. I was like, <laughs> I was like yes, I will help you. Because like, I love helping people with submission videos, because first of all, sometimes they can be so awkward. Because it's like, you're just kind of like singing and acting like into a void or like with a camera on you. It's like weird. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've I've done so many self-tapes. I, I actually enjoy them now. Um, I'd say most of my work that I've booked has been from self-tapes, honestly, which is pretty cool, but I, I want to get back in the room too. <laughs> it's kind of like the wave of the future of auditioning, don't you think? Yeah, I personally, I kind of like a, a video pre-screen. I... I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm getting older. I I don't like the open calls sitting there for hours waiting to get seen. I like being able to send my info, send a little video and get a, an audition time. Mm -hmm. So then after that, I know you were in Japan for a while. Yes. Yeah, that was actually my next contract after that. <laughs> yeah, where, where you worked for, was it Tokyo Disney? No, it was Universal. Oh, Universal. Uh, That's right. Yeah, in Osaka. And that that was a life-changing experience. That was my first time really out of the country, my first time flying internationally, um, living on my own, really. 
it mm-hmm. just it was such an incredible experience and you know it's it instilled uh di- like self-discipline in myself having to perform like five shows a day five days a week for a year yeah that's a lot and then I know you have done um, a bunch of cruise contracts. So like, would you like, for, okay. So for our listeners who have, I mean, I've never even been on a cruise before. So I've only ever seen like these glamorous pictures of these giant boats, you know, of people like in bikinis drinking pina coladas and the giant boat pulls up to a tropical destination. And so like, what, like, what has your experience been with um, performing you know cruising on the high seas like what have you liked what have you not liked what have you struggled with like because how how many you've done like what two or three now uh I've done four. Oh wow okay yeah four <laughs> so you, you've been like everywhere then um not to Europe yet that is oh, my goal okay. I really want to go to Europe um so fingers crossed on that putting that in the universe <laughs> um I love cruises. I, I know they're not for everyone. Um, it takes a certain mindset to, to be able to work on a cruise. Um, but if you can stay positive, it really is the experience of a lifetime. At the end of the day, you're getting paid to do what you love and travel the world. It's really an incredible opportunity. Um, it does face a lot of challenges. A lot of the cruise contracts are really long. So you're away from your family for long periods of time. Yeah. You're disconnected from your friends and from your network back home. Um, you know, you have to adjust because when you live on a ship, you're living with the majority of the people you're working with are, they're not Americans. They're from all over the world. And so you're integrating with people from all different cultures and you really have to keep an open mind and be receptive to other people's cultures and respectful to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an incredible opportunity. And if anyone is thinking about doing a cruise ship, I say, go for it. Yeah. Well, my next question would be, so I don't know if they still do this and I know it's, it's different depending on the cruise line and also like the production company, but things that I have heard from my friends who have worked on cruise ships and also people who have been on this podcast who have sort of talked about their experiences is that sometimes in your contract, they put like a weight clause where you're not allowed to like gain a certain amount of weight or lose a certain amount of weight. And they used to have this thing where they would do either like weekly weigh-ins or monthly weigh-ins. And honestly, I just think that that's um, toxic and bullshit. And so I just don't know, like, have you come across that or do they still do that or no? Um, I've never had to do a weigh-in of any sort. Um, Good. I think that kind of like gone out the window a bit. Um, it's more of a rule of thumb that they, they expect you to, to keep the same look that they hired you at. And they don't want you gaining or losing weight to an extreme to where they need to alter your costumes because the ships that I've been on, we don't have a customer on board. So if you need an alteration, that's they're going to have someone who doesn't know how to do it properly adjusting the costume or it's going to cost them a lot of money to fly someone out and fix it. 
Right. Interesting. You don't have like anyone for, from costuming? Like, no. What? You you usually have um, a cast member will become like a wardrobe supervisor. Oh, okay. And so that they're in charge of like washing them and doing small repairs, but they're they're not usually there to alter them at all. It's like, oh, I got a rip here and they'll just stitch it up for you. Oh, I see. Huh. Interesting. Because these contracts are usually pretty long. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're I mean, like tr- traditionally they're anywhere from like seven eight nine ten month contracts my longest has been 11 yeah that that's a long time I'm that that's like pretty shocked I didn't know that that there was no like officially you would think there would be at least one person who was like I think on certain I think certain ships have a costumer but all the ones that I've done have never had a a wardrobe person okay Okay, but that but that's good. I'm glad that they're not like making people. St- it's a stand on a scale. Like, who cares? No, I think that's that's that should be out the window. If it's not for every company, I hope it is soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it also like that is definitely like one of the things that I always really wanted to see change, especially like body shaming in this business because it can get really really bad. Um, like, what are some of the things that you would really like to see change within the theater world? Um, hmm. I, I feel like a lot of changes have started since, uh, like post pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot, large movement that was happening with casting and like not, difficult I feel like people have challenged the idea of the way a character is supposed to look based off of who originated the role and I think people are a lot more open-minded about that um I feel like as a community it's still growing and still has a ways to go but I I'm glad to see the change that's starting to happen yeah It's nice to see these shows that have been around for a really long time, Um, you know, especially like Disney shows like Beauty and the Beast or The Music Man, you know, like these like sort of classic shows be like represented um, by different kinds of people like who just who look different and by different ethnicities and um, and sort of just be done in a whole new way because you're right. Why does it why does it have to be done the way that the original production was done? And quite honestly, if the the probably the older the show is, so we're like talking like we're going back to like the Rodgers and Hammerstein, you know, golden age of of musicals. There was a lot of racism going on. You know, there still is a lot of racism going on, but like, I feel like even more so back then. And so it's just like, you're like, where are, where is the diversity? So yeah, it is nice to be able to finally see these productions done in new ways and and just representing more, more kinds of people. Yeah. I'll be honest. um, When I first started this career, I, I didn't really learn a lot of golden age because I didn't think that there was a place for me in it. Mm. And since this movement, I am like, wow, I can, I can be in guys and dolls. I can be in bye bye birdie. I don't, 
it's like the, my, the color of my skin does not affect my ability to be cast. Right. I'm so sorry that, um, that that was sort of like your perception. Like when, when you were young, you know what I mean? Like yeah, this is probably what, like high school, middle school, like college even. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my other question was, so if your degree is in, um, it's in music education, right? Yes. So what made you like make the switch to like? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love teaching. I still think it's wonderful. Um, I, I got to teach for like about five years while I was in college and loved every second of it, but there was part of me that still really loved performing. And I was like, you know, I'm young. I'm going to regret it if I don't try. Mm -hmm. And I, I was doing a production of Cats and our choreographer had done a cruise ship and she was telling us all about her experience. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. I really want to try to do that. So I, as soon as I finish my degree, I looked for the very first audition in New York, booked a day trip to the city, went in for my first cruise ship audition. I ended up making it to the last round and they pulled me back into the room and the casting team said, we really like you. We just can't hire you yet. Keep going, keep auditioning. We wanna see you again. And I took that as a sign that this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where, what I'm meant to do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was very nice of them. It's always nice when they give you hope and not like false hope, <laughs> like, yeah. like like real hope. <laughs> what was nice is I um I ended up working for them and I got to meet one of the people that was behind the table and thank them in person. Oh, yeah. That's so great. That, that moment definitely changed my life. Well, yeah, because then from there, it was like four cruise contracts later. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here we are. Um, Felicia, like how how do you personally define success? Um, success, it's. I don't think there's one right answer. Um, I think success is a mindset. Um, because every day we have, we're successful in our lives just by doing even the smallest tasks. If, you know, I have a goal to make my bed, I've made my bed. That is a mini success of the day. And I feel like having those mini successes throughout the day helps motivate us and push us towards our larger goals in life. Um, you know, getting into the audition room, singing my song, that is a, a success. If I'm nervous of doing that, walking in there, that already is successful and I just keep doing it. Right. Yeah. I am, one of the biggest questions that I sort of started, so last year, um, the spring semester was my first time being a college professor. And obviously, and like, I just felt very, overwhelmed because a lot of things have changed since I went to college and it was like just learning um I don't know learning new technology like a lot more technology now just like learning a lot of new stuff and so we took a semester long break which I hated taking that break like I just I don't know because I wish I could just do this podcast 
um, all the time, but it's like, and maybe I will be able to one and well, and that's no, like the first two and a half years I did do that. I'm like, and I really don't even know how I like put, I consistently put out a new episode every single week, sometimes multiple episodes a week. And I think it's because I was like a crazy person. Well, and also like we were in, it was 2020, we were in the middle of a pandemic. So like, um, I didn't have a job. I mean, I was a stay at home mom, but like when Sophie was taking naps and asleep at night, I just recorded this podcast. So I didn't have like other jobs on top of um on top of that one and then I was like wow I am exhausted and now I'm like becoming a college professor and so I'm like we got to take a break from show people plus I had started my second podcast which is all about motherhood um friends if you haven't checked that one out we have 13 episodes so far um but we are like getting back on the wagon of that it's called transformation the untold stories of motherhood and um, I was like, I just need a break. And then the summer came around and I was like, okay, we're coming back. We're back to recording. We're back to uploading episodes. Like what I try to like come up with new questions or just talk about current things. And and the theme of leadership has really been like bothering me <laughs> lately because I just think we need better people in charge of things just in general, like generally speaking. And so like, what do you think makes an effective leader and like, how can our leaders just do better and like lead us with more empathy, humanity, and especially action? Um, I think the most important quality is listening. Mm. Um, when I think of a leader, I, I imagine teachers, politicians, managers, and I think listening is probably the most important part, you know, politicians are representing, they're representing their whole community. And if they're not listening to the community, how can they properly represent them? Teachers, they're educating these students and the best way to educate them is to listen to them. You can't just throw material at them you have to give the material and see how they react to it, L listening to their responses to how much they're absorbing the material. Mm -hmm. And you have to make changes with that. Not every student is the same. And I think, I think that's the way to get more action is listening and really internalizing it. Yeah. And, and like, speaking of these edu like education programs, um, do you have any advice for someone who is maybe like just starting out? Maybe they're in college right now. Maybe they're getting ready to graduate. Maybe they just graduated last year. Uh, and I know like since you, I feel like a lot of your experience has been doing these um, long cruise contracts and sort of traveling around the world. Like what advice would you give to someone who is just sort of like, okay, I just graduated and now what do I do? Or to someone who's like, Ooh, like I really want to be on a cruise contract. Like what would, what would your advice be to them? Be kind to yourself. Ooh. You need to be kind and you need to be forgiving to yourself. It, it doesn't serve you to criticize you have to appreciate appreciate where you are, appreciate how much work you've done, and you can still acknowledge the growth that you want, the where you want your career to go, but be kind to yourself on that journey. If 
and also if there's something that scares you, if singing in front of people scares you, if dancing scares you, do it. You need to do it more and you need to approach it with a different mindset. Um, the biggest advice that I give to my friends that are dancers that are scared of singing is I tell them to approach singing the same exact way that they approach dancing. If if you're scared of a high note, don't back off of it. You wouldn't mark a turn. You're never going to get the turn. Right. You have to go for it. If you fall, you fall. You get back up and you do it again. You learn as you grow. Um, you just have to you just have to keep going and you have to keep that positive mindset. Um, Felicia, this was like literally the advice that I needed to hear today. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> is so seriously, like I think sometimes we are our own worst enemies because we, we are so hard on ourselves. I know that I am like, even still, like I'm very, very hard on myself. And it's like, why is it so hard for me to not be so hard on myself? <laughs> like, why is that so hard? Like, like maybe a little bit gentler, softer, more forgiving and, and, and be kinder to myself. And I think it's because I am at a place now where I'm like, well, I was like a performer for a very long time and did like a ton of shows back to back to back to back to back for like a decade. And then I was like, I don't want to be a full-time performer anymore. Like I, I want to do other, like I'm, I want to do other things. And then just like a shit storm of life happened that like a lot of it was out of my control. And, and now I'm, and then I was like, where's my career or like, what's next. And now I'm in a weird place where like, I haven't performed in a show in over four years. Wow. Where, yeah. I, the, the last show that I performed, so not Elf um, with you, but the last show that I performed in was actually Elf the next, no, two years from then, which was um, 2019. I did Elf again and played the same role. That was the last show that I performed in. And now it's 2024. So <laughs> like, um, so there's a part of me that's like, oh, it's just my performing career. Is it just like dead now? Like, am I just never going to perform in a show? Like, that's sort of how I feel. And then I like beat myself up over it. And I'm like, well, you're just not trying hard enough or it, you're just not like finding the time or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, also like I'm teaching college classes. I'm running a dance school. I'm being a mom. I'm hosting two podcasts. Like where's the time right now to be in a show? Um, and then the last show, and then like, in terms of like directing and choreographing, I love doing that. In fact, I think I like that even a little bit more than performing now that I'm older. Um, it's been like a year and a half since I've directed a show. And so it's just like, to me, um, <clears throat> I struggle because I, I get, I get really, really hard on myself about that. And I'd be like, oh, well, I guess you're just not working hard enough. And I'm like, but I am working so hard still. It's it's just like, it's just hard to know like what is the next right step or what is the next right thing to do? And, and I do really, really miss it. I really, I really miss performing. And I'm at a point now where I'm like, God, I would just love to like, I don't want to perform in like 10 musicals a year. Like I used to in my twenties. Cause I'm like, dear God, no, thank you. But like, even if I could just perform in like one, maybe two shows a year, like I'd be good. And then the rest of the year could be filled with 
other things and other, and like teaching classes and, and also like directing and choreographing and these podcasts that I love so much. Um, so anyway, I don't know. That's just sort of like, <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Felicia, for saying that. Um, be kind to yourself. And I think that's sort of like the biggest message of this episode is to, I think like whatever you're struggling with out there, um, it's only temporary. And to just try to just be a little bit more kinder to yourself, like through that struggle. Right. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Why? So like, why do you think that you have been doing this for as long as you have been? Like, what's your why? I love it that I just, I love what I'm doing. Um, I don't see myself doing anything else right now. Mm-hmm. I there's just something magical about performing and it I still feel it with every contract that I do that excitement for rehearsals for working with new with new people the networking making new friends getting on stage and you know for a lot of these contracts that I've done for some people this is the only live entertainment they've seen all year or for some people it might be their first show ever and you can see the magic that it has it transports them it takes them out of whatever's weighing on them and for however long the show is you know 45 minutes an hour two hours they're with us they're in this story and they're just having so much fun (laughs) yeah I I love that so much about this career. And I've, I've always told myself whenever I stop, if if I ever stop feeling this way, that's when it's time for me to, to step away. But for as long as I feel like this, I'm just going to continue performing. Yeah. Um, I always ask our guests if they have like a favorite theater memory or story that they would like to leave our listeners with today oh god (laughs) um one of my favorite memories so one of my favorite moments in general just being a performer is seeing seeing people handle a reblock (laughs) i think It sounds crazy, but I think it's so incredible. You get to see, you get to see understudies and swings in action. And Mm -hmm. it's not just them. It's the entire cast. The entire cast is there to support them and, you know, shove with love. And I think it's such an amazing moment on stage. And, you know, after you've done the show, you know, 40 times, it sometimes it gets a little bit harder to find that energy and once it's a reblock you're dialed in you're focused on everything it's like the first day again and my favorite memory was um I was in the middle of a show it was the opening number one of the dancers they they fell and they hit their arm and they got injured they ran off um and they were like, I can't, I can't finish the show. They, 
they were bleeding, they couldn't feel their hand. So they sent them off to get medical help. And our dance captain stood there and went, okay, um, you, you're cut out of this number. You're gonna step into this role. Um, okay, we're gonna go to eight here and you guys will go to zero in about 20 to 30 seconds talked through a full reblock. We didn't stop the show and we did it. We finished the entire show. And it was just incredible to see everyone sort of snap on and just hyper-focus and like, let's get this done. And, you know, we checked in obviously with the dancer after he was okay. Just, he was back in the show the week later, just a little gash. Um, but it was just, such an incredible moment because I just had so much appreciation for the people that I work with oh yeah it it that's if that's like not at all like what I thought you were gonna say when you first said that you I thought you were gonna say something totally different when you're like, <laughs> like what like because that that was so like magical and like yes like I've definitely been in situations like that before where it's like super last minute like somebody goes out of the show and then you got to like figure it out and who's going in and who's like oh this person is going into this track and that person is swinging into that track and like it's like problem solving like super super fast um <clears throat> but then somehow it just like all works out magically I thought you were gonna say like in rehearsals you, that you were gonna enjoy like when like a director comes in and they, they block a scene and then they're like oh no I hate it and they need to like totally like <laughs> reblock it and, and then and then all the actors are just like oh my god kill me like and then they can't remember the new blocking <laughs> no no that would not be up on my favorites <laughs> yeah which is why I thought it was so funny like like originally but um your answer was was much more magical <laughs> than that um Oh my goodness. Felicia, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy show schedule to come and chat with me today. Thank you so much. It was, I had a lot of fun. Okay, good. <laughs> this, this is the podcast where like, yeah, like we're supposed to have fun. And I just think the world, we, I don't know, we just need more connection, especially in the theater community. And um, the, the theater community is so it's like it's so small but it's also so big and um, I think what I like what I really try to tell my college students is that there's no like one right way there's no one right path there's no magic formula for success you don't have to follow the same path that so-and-so followed or that one of your professors is telling you to do. Like you kind of get to be like, you're in charge. You're in charge of like what auditions you go to and like where you want to move and where you want to live. And like, yeah, like a lot of things are out of your control, honestly, like whether you get cast or not, or like whether the show closes early or you never know what's going to happen. Like there is a lot of unpredictability, but like, if you don't want to do something, then like, don't do it. Like you don't have to do it. And that doesn't mean like you can be successful sort of doing theater and doing the arts, however you want to do it and wherever you want to do it. And that's why like, I want, it's really important for me to share these diverse stories of people from sort of all, all sides of the business, like not just performers or not just people who have been on Broadway or not, you know, like sort of like everybody's story. I think it's so important because it opens up 
so many more opportunities and possibilities that I think that maybe you didn't even like realize were there. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, I never would have imagined I'd be where I am today. Like it's incredible to think the growth that I've had personally. And I know that other people are going to have stories similar to this or they're experiencing this transition as well. And it's just, it's just amazing. There, it, You're right. There is no right way to be in this industry. You don't have to follow a rule book. There's, there's so many different ways to perform and be an artist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being on Broadway doesn't mean that you've made it. It's just, it's whatever's inside. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I think the biggest thing that I really took away from um from our conversation today was honestly like when life gets hard or like you're not maybe you're not like where you want to be right now, um to just be kind to yourself. Yeah. Always you got to lead with kindness and forgiveness. Absolutely. Um I love you so much Felicia. It's been so good to see you. Your beautiful smiling face today. oh it's so wonderful to see you again too (laughs) and um I feel like we just we have to end this um episode I think there I I feel like I gotta find that picture of us with my t-shirt that said bye Felicia on it (laughs) you know I still I still have the scarf you made me and I still have the the little Christmas card you gave me oh Felicia I love that. That's so sweet. Oh, oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe that should be. I'll have to find a picture of the two of us from um from Elf to kind of put up like for the Instagram and and. Everything. Oh yeah, I got it. I want to see that that with the machines. Oh yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> it was 2017. It was really a time, friends. It was really a time in Rock Island, Illinois. <laughs> but um anyway I hope you you have a show tonight yes yeah it's a late show so get the get a little bit of time before I have to go nice well take a little nap you know relax and uh (laughs) I hope you have a wonderful show this evening and um yeah and hopefully we will I don't know see each other soon at some point in this crazy life I hope so (laughs) and I I feel like I just gotta say it bye Felicia (laughs) Ha ha ha!